Awesome. All right. Well, g'day and welcome to an episode of the HSC or another episode, I should say, of the HSEQ Leaders podcast. We have Michelle Ferrugia here today with us. Um, Michelle uh, has been, well, you've been speaking to to me, I guess, for the last few weeks. Um, and um, I've wanted uh, to, to have you jump on. And um, thanks a lot for, for taking up the offer. No, thanks very much, John. Very much appreciated. Um, well, Michelle, I you've had an interesting background, um, and I guess we'll dive straight into it. I mean, give us the give us the the short story, if you will, of uh, your career and uh, how you've got to to where you are at present. So basically, my career started within the HR L and D function um, within the corporate environment space. From there, I guess I showed a willingness to learn other business units. And that's where I stumbled across risk and compliance, started to do risk and compliance for the entire organization. It was there where I found, I guess, a strong curiosity as to where we deviate within organizations, why we deviate, but not only why, what can we actually do to improve and share that knowledge across the organization? So based on that, I actually went outside and got my Cert for in health and safety, then chose to work across numerous industries. So mining, construction, rail, hospitality and catering, oil and gas, just to get my hands across, or I guess my head across different types of risk and compliance activities within different industries. And here I am today, I guess 17 years later, um, I would like to call myself now I guess a well, well developed safety professional. Well rounded, well rounded, yeah. Well rounded, yes, correct. I would say uh, yes. And uh, well, outside of being a well rounded safety professional, who who are you outside of of wearing that hat? Most importantly, I'm a mom. Yeah. Um. So my daughter is coming on to two years old. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I love to be outside. Like honestly, being outside wherever I can really gets my juices going. So being able to, I guess, be in touch with nature. So whether that's mowing my lawn, weeding, you would have never seen me do that 20 years ago, <laughs> but being able to appreciate the outdoors really. So walking my dog, I found just practicing mindfulness. It is so much easier when you actually cannot engage with technology, just getting out. I love being creative. So whether that's cooking in my kitchen, cooking for family and friends, socializing, really enjoy. I'm very creative. So arts and crafts, um, painting, I draw, but I love coloring in. I love doing origami, Lego, anything where I can keep my hands busy and I can actually see something evolve from that really gets me going. Brilliant. Um, well, I'll, I'll have to talk to you more about Lego outside of this. Yeah. <laughs> I guess how does how does that uh, I mean do you get that crossover into your your professional life to an extent and that cre creativity piece? One hundred percent. So I see that any project you get to embark on, whatever you do within your capacity, you get to be creative when you are dealing with people because no two people have the same personality. So when you are thinking of, I guess, initiating a project and getting the ball rolling through that process, you get to be creative whilst you are, I guess, trying to define what is the scope of that project. And people always make that interesting. Yeah. Well, it's the, 
in, in our line of business, people are always the uh, the unknown, right? So uh, correct, that's right. <laughs> the one you can't. You can't they are the bearable. Yeah, that's it. Um, so you're, you're now as this well-rounded professional, um, and and you know you've, you've 17 years in in industry in varying industries. Um, what's the biggest learning, Michelle, that you would go back if you could, you know, to your younger self, maybe as you were just getting into safety and noticing how you know from the HR point and how that they integrated. Um, what's the biggest learning you would you'd give to yourself? Be curious. I would say ask the questions that potentially no one else wants to ask because by being curious, one, you're showing an interest in what is actually going on, so the bigger picture. And being curious actually, to me, has helped me identify certain things within an organisation because when you ask why, when you show an interest, people open up. And as a safety professional, if you can't build rapport, then I feel you can't be truly effective in achieving organisational goals. Mm. So be curious. And also weaknesses. Don't see them as challenges. Find ways in which you can improve and be open and honest about what you struggle with because, let's face it, we all work as part of a team. What you might see as weakness is someone else's strength and vice versa. So I would say, one, Top tip, be curious. And two, recognize and own your weaknesses, but do something. Be proactive and do something to, I guess, rectify them because they will become your strengths. I think um, that's, I mean, be, be curious. I hear so much from safety professionals. I think that is so important as well. But I think just across the board, recognizing, you know, your your weaknesses, Um it's it's easy to go. I mean, like, again, I know my strengths, right? Um, but it's easy to go. So I'm not good at that, and not and not focus on addressing it. I'm not saying that you could ne- necessarily be the best at something that you are um, not strong at, but you can certainly improve in your areas of weakness. Correct. I completely agree. I also find it quite interesting, Michelle, when I when I see people that perhaps take roles that. Um, there might be the job title or there might be the company they've always wanted to go to, but it's not fit for their strengths. You know, like that they might be someone that's that's really big on, you know, boots on ground and 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 being say, you know, at the at the coal face sort of the role. And then they take a systems role and that it's just a mismatch, you know, because they're behind a computer and they hate it, you know. And I think <laughs> people aren't aware of those of, of being able to play to their own strengths for sure. Um <clears throat> so I guess you talked about um teams there and team strength so um you know what do you look for um either in hiring or when you're in a team um talk me around those dynamics of of what you like to see in a team to have a high performing team in that sense so for me i don't really when i'm looking at engaging in a team hiring a new i guess professional within the team i'm looking for someone who in challenging and when I mean that not someone who challenges for the sake of causing disruption but someone who isn't necessarily a yes person someone who is willing to think outside of the box eagerness to actually do the research before they actually come in and say hold the brakes we're not going to do that I want to know that somebody is actually going to be proactive and be able to approach the team with I guess ideas And someone who is actually going to 
complement the team. I feel we cannot be high-performing if we all are good at the exact same thing, if we are about the exact same thing. Because I guess when it comes to, let's work, let's say working on a project, if we all like the same thing, there is going to be a challenge. And if we are all, I guess, quite assertive in personalities, it doesn't quite work because everyone wants to do the one thing. And then you find that potentially other items within a project completely get missed. Mm. So I want people who are actually different, people who are going to speak up and not just agree. I also want people who want to do things simply, not by convoluting a process and you find that your system ends up being this mammoth of a document system. Nobody knows where to find things. It becomes overwhelming. So I want people in my team to recognise that what we are trying to do is make things simple for every person within the organisation. Yeah, you said a few good points there. The word I use is, uh, I speak to a client about is proactively assertive. You know, you don't want someone <laughs> coming in, kicking the kicking. Uh, Picking the heads, but um, so to speak, but proactively assertive. And I think there's a difference between that, you know, being able to to be able to put your point across to rather than just causing tension or causing conflict. And I think that's easy to forget. Um, and uh, no, absolutely. I think that's a good piece of advice. And, and I guess the other thing is, it's coming with solutions, right? You sort of touched on that. Like it's all well and good to advise, but... It, and anyone can point out a problem, but it's about, I guess, giving options as well for, for a solution or, or proposing solutions to the problem, right? I completely agree. So I would say, let's say 20, 30 years ago, the safety professional was seen as someone who came in with a clipboard and just ticked some boxes and then pretty much didn't actually be part of the solution. Yeah. The way I see safety professionals now is that we form part of the solution we should really be integrated at every level of the organisation where our input is valuable. And the way I see it, if I'm not being consulted for advice, then I've not job. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's a great metric there, right? People should want to come to you for consultation. They shouldn't be yes. running away from the, 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 the traditional, the officer, <laughs> you know, the officer with the clipboard. Um, but... Interesting as well, you said it before, um, around simplification, and I think that's such a key point. Um, and I was talking to to another senior leader this morning on the on the way to work, um, and he was saying that he'd just come in and, and did a, well, presented, presented, I guess now, presented a solution to this business. And they're saying, it's so easy, it's so simplified. And he's like, well, that's the idea. Like, we're not meant to overcomplicate things. And I think sometimes... People want to overcomplicate it to justify perhaps their their value, and it actually should really be the opposite, right? I completely agree. Having a ten thousand word document when you can do it in a thousand speaks volumes. That's it. That's it. Um, so, talking. I mean, this is this is a good profile, I guess, of, of you and, and 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 team and what your approach is to safety, and and it's it's clear, you know, um, which which is always great to hear. But what about leadership? I mean, what do you see as a leader and how do you how do you lead? So for me, leadership means having the ability to influence all levels of the organisation. So that means in a matrix style. I feel you really need to understand business objectives first in order to achieve this. If 
because I feel if you don't actually understand what the business's objectives are, you can't actually align your team's objectives to what the organisation wants as a whole. And you also do not have an opportunity to influence the organisation in some of the trends that you're seeing or some of the hypothesis you wish to test. So I think we need to really insert ourselves within higher leadership so we get a voice in some of those objectives. And I guess what I, the way I lead is how I wish to be respected. So within an organisation, I lead purely by respect. I might hold a senior title. However, that is just a title. I understand that comes with additional responsibility, but I don't claim to have all the skills or all the knowledge. That is why I hire certain people within my team. We need to complement one another. Absolutely. Set a direction. But that direction needs to be supported by my team because at the end of the day, I might be the one doing most of the data analysis or interpretation and I need my team to actually go out and do the work and be the eyes on the ground. And if we are not in alignment, then we're just not going to meet our goals and be able to, I guess, be able to support the business the way the profession should be supporting the business. Well, it's like, as you said before, right, about being consultative and, and, and being that point that people can trust and come to. If you're not aligned as a professional or as a team, then then how can you be consultative if you're not aligned, aligned to values? I see this all the time, things <laughs> purely on value alignment. Um, yes. But uh, you also mentioned um, influence. So, so talk me through um, what influencing is. I mean, this is obviously something you do on on a, on a daily basis, Michelle. So, so how do you influence in that sense to for for objectives and 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 you know to to see it to see the outcomes that you want to reach? So for me, it starts off with just getting to know you, building that rapport. So not just finding out who you are professionally, but who are you outside of work. Because at the end of the day, we all have a story. We've all come in on a journey, both professionally and personally. If I can get to know you on a professional and personal basis, I feel that I have more ability to be able to influence you. And I guess I sit and watch. I don't necessarily, so say I've just started within an organisation, I don't come in and just try and change things immediately. I'm a people watcher. I will observe from the background. I'll be taking notes. I'll be having, I guess I'll be aligning myself with certain leaders and by that, I will be able to ask who are the key players, who are real influencers within the organisation. I will attempt to align myself with those individuals because if they already have the ear of senior leaders who I'm trying to influence, then I have more power in getting to know those people and they will have the ear of senior managers. So it's not about going straight to the senior leadership trying to find out who are those key influences within the organisation. And I feel you can only do that by observation in the beginning. Absolutely. I think that's sort of another thing as well. You know, the, the, the you can be a change agent, you can make change, but, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day either. And, and, and I think there's often a haste to make change, but, you know, there is a an evolution over revolution. And I think if you really want people on board, you need that evolution piece as well, right? And I think you need to back it up. So it can't just be, I used to do this at another organisation because that's what I'm comfortable with. Mm. Does not necessarily work like that because every culture within every organisation is so different. 
You can't attempt to pick up a system from one place and just plop it into another because that was your comfort zone. The whole point of starting, I guess, a new position is learning to be uncomfortable, finding out where that organisation is culturally and how do you fit in that? Because potentially you're both trying to learn who one another is about and that does not come in the first 30 days. It doesn't. Uh, Michelle, you know, we speak to so many people and there's always... Is always a uh, very well. Very rarely do I see someone just fit in hundred percent. You know, there's always that forming, storming, norming component of any any role and joining any team. Um, and that and look, it can be it can always be made better through um, a good onboarding process. But it is also whoever starts a role has to realize that you know, as I said, Rome's not built in a day, and there is that period of settling in. And yeah, I think that's a very very good or astute piece of advice. But um, on that note, you know, we, we talked about evolution. Where, where do you see where do you see the uh, safety profession evolving to in the in the future? Because we've come a long way from uh, the clipboard officer, as you as you mentioned. Yes. Oh, sorry. Have I lost the screen here? Whoops. No, no. I've got you. I've got you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just went funny for a sec. Um. So to answer your question, for me, I think it's applying a human factors lens to risk management. We touch on it generally as a profession, but I feel that we don't really place too much focus on it. The aviation industry, the defence industries, for example, really do human factors quite well. I guess they've had to. They've had no choice. They've had significant incidents. So they've learned through those catastrophes or those fatalities. Um, I guess with the rise of machines and automation in the workplace, more understanding needs to be, I guess, among profession to ensure that we, and I go back to the word influence, that we influence or we have the capacity to influence, particularly at the design phase. So Mm -hmm. going back to what I've said in almost every one of my pieces, we need to build rapport because if we don't build rapport, if people aren't seeing us as value adds to the business, function that legally they need to have to make compliance I want to be seen as a support function. So I want someone at the design phase to go, hey, we're actually doing this within the organisation. Let's let's have a look at it from a risk safety perspective. And I feel we need to start to look at human factors because automation will take over. Um, whether we like it or not, think about in the early 1900s when we started with the factories, we yeah. automated those. We learned a lot. I think technology is moving a lot faster than what it did over a hundred years ago. And we are going to get left behind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's a, it's, it's like what we sort of began with, right? I mean, the, the pace, the pace is a lot more and, and humans are the, uh, the one thing that uh, is unpredictable in that sense, right? Well, typically. Well, <laughs> well yes, correct. Well, because the human designs the machine, right? Yeah. So it. if, we don't really understand what we have designed, well, then it's going to be quite challenging, <laughs> let's say that. And I think you're right. I think, honestly, that is the the forefront um, and, uh, yeah, certainly an area. I mean, I, I'd say, you know, I've, I've been recruiting this now five years in, in safety and I don't think, you know, when I started in this space 
many people outside of aviation were talking about human factors, really. I mean, a little bit in the oil and gas space, but it's certainly become more and more prevalent. And, and that's what you need, right? That groundswell to build. Um, and certainly as a profession, from a senior level down then. 100%. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for, for jumping on. Um, no, thanks very much, John. And it was actually me messing you around with multiple different times. So thank <laughs> you. Well good. <laughs> um, you have to be flexible as a profession, right? <laughs> well, thank you for being uh, accepting of me. Um, and uh, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on. Um, as I said, we'll, we'll leave a, a link to your LinkedIn in, your, in the, the show notes. Um, but it's, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to hear about, you know, your achievements as well. So thank you and, and thank you for jumping on today. Perfect. Thank you very much, John. Have a great day. Thanks a lot for joining us for another episode of the Safety Leaders podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you reach out and connect with myself as well as Sunstrong Recruitment on LinkedIn. We are the specialists health and safety recruitment in WA. Um, looking forward to uh, the next episode and maybe getting to know you. Cheers.